All right, good morning, everybody. If you'll please stand with us.
I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. Amen? Amen. There is nobody like our God. And it's that very reason why we gather uh, to worship this morning is to praise our God and our Creator. So let me welcome you. Thank you for joining us. Those of you who are watching online, welcome. We are glad that you're tuning in uh, to worship with us as well. Uh, we pray that you had a, a great week. If there is any way that we can serve you, uh, please let us know. If there's any way that we can pray for you, look, we understand that this has impacted all of us and it's impacted us in different ways. Um, and so we, we want to just to walk uh, alongside of you at a safe six feet distance in the midst of this, right? But, but we do want to be there to help you and uh, encourage you any way that we can. You are probably aware, and if not, uh, you're going to be uh, aware right now, that tomorrow is uh, Memorial Day. And so I just want us to take a moment, uh, just to have a moment of silence, and then I'm going to pray specifically, just, just being mindful of those who have given their life for us, praying for their families um, and then we're going we're gonna to sing a couple hymns together, and one of those that we're going to sing is America the Beautiful. And so we have the freedom to gather and worship together. Uh, and I'm thankful for a governor, Governor Kemp, and he's, he's got a lot of criticism, but I'm thankful that through this entire process, he's been pro-church. He's, he's recognized. He, he cannot tell us not to assemble. And, and so he's trying to give us the freedom to do that, and, and we're trying to be responsible and do that in a safe way. Uh, and so for that, I am thankful. But we do have the freedom to worship. And ultimately, we know that our freedom comes through Christ, who gave his life for us, sacrificed his life, shed his blood for us. And we know the freedoms that we experience in this great country also have come at a great cost. And so would you take just a moment, we're going to have a moment of silence, just for you to, to reflect upon your freedoms and to be mindful of those who have given their very life for those freedoms, and then I will pray, and then we're going to stand and sing America the Beautiful.
Father God, we know that we are ultimately here this morning because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You have torn down that dividing wall of hostility. You have brought reconciliation, Jesus, through your death so that we can be at peace with God our Father, so that we can have a relationship with God the Father. And that came at a great cost. There had been millions and millions and millions of animals that had been slain, sacrificed. And all of that cost led ultimately, was foreshadowing Jesus to your death upon a cross. You laid down your life for us. There is no greater act of love, no greater sacrifice than that. And so ultimately, God, we're thankful for that. And that's the reason we gather. That's the reason we praise. That's the reason we, we will open your word and just say, Spirit of God, speak to us. Draw us closer to you. But Father, we are also, and we need to be if we are not, very mindful of the sacrifice of the men and women. God, some, right, all gave some and, and some gave uh, God all, or something along those lines. But God, you know that there were so many people who were willing to sacrifice it all. And Lord, we, we honor them and we celebrate them, Lord, during Veterans Day. But tomorrow, Lord, it's to remember the fallen. It's to remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice, their life. And they did it because of what they believed in. They were fighting for freedom. So, Lord, we're mindful of that. Lord, if we take that for granted, God, convict us of that. Lord, if all we do is complain and whine about this country, God, forgive us of that. Lord, we, we, have, been, we have received so many blessings through being a citizen of this country. Lord, I'm also mindful today, God, of, of those who will fill our worship services, those at home, and God, somebody in their family is not there because they lost their life in battle. And they're grieving. They're still mourning. Lord, a part of them is gone and it can never be replaced. And so, Lord, we just pray for them. We lift them up to you today. Comfort them. Strengthen them. May they just draw their hope and strength from Jesus. And Lord, I know tomorrow is about remembering those who are fallen, but God, I can't help also stop and thank you for those who are serving currently today, who are not with their families, not in church, but are overseas, are preparing for that possibility. They're away from their families. Lord, bless them, strengthen them, and Lord, we pray you would bring them home. Lord, we're about to sing America the Beautiful, and God, we know that America is not ultimately our home. That our home will be with you, Jesus, in the new heavens and the new earth. That we are ultimately citizens of that kingdom. But Lord, here we are, momentarily, walking this journey of this life here in this country. And so we do thank you for America. It is a beautiful place to live. And so even in this song, we want to give our praise to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and worship with us? Country love and mercy more than life. 
America, America, may God thy gold refine. I'll also press the nobleness and every gain divine. All because of Jesus and what he did for us in this country. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it today. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed in His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed. His child and forever I am. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus. No language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of his presence with me doth continually dwell. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of him all the day long. I sing for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Uh, we're going to begin a new series, uh, and we're going to work over, over the summer through a series just called Summer in the Psalms. Now, some of you might be thinking, man, are we ever going back to 1 John? Uh, yes, we are. But as I was thinking about, you know, we're trying for the foreseeable future to kind of shorten, limit our services. I'm going to try to limit the amount of time I preach. I just didn't think I could do justice to 1 John trying to preach in 25 minutes every Sunday and kind of rush through that. So the Psalms, I think, are a little bit easier to do that with. Um, and so we're going to spend uh, the next 8 to 10 weeks as we kind of work through summer um, in the Psalms. And hopefully you'll find this to be um, an encouragement to you. So we are in Psalm chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Father God, we ask, we pray that the Spirit of God would just move in our hearts. Lord, the psalmist, as, as we begin the Psalter here, 150 psalms, Psalm 1, I believe, Lord, is, is kind of the doorway that leads into that. And it is clear, as all of Scripture is clear, there are only two ways. This morning, every single one of us, whether we're in this place or watching online, is either with God or we are stand, or we're opposed to God. We're either walking in righteousness or we're walking in the pathway of the wicked. And ultimately, Lord, there are only two destinations. So, Lord, speak to our hearts. Encourage us. Convict us. And may it all be for your glory in your honor. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So about a week and a half ago, I have to be honest, I was a little stressed out. Maybe you know why. Uh, this, it's been weighing on my heart and mind about reopening and what does that look like. And so that kind of had me a little discouraged. And, and one thing that really encourages me, not only is the Word of God, but it's music. And so I'll put my headphones in and I'll just start listening to music. And often that brings encouragement to me. And so I was listening through some songs and I heard a song that I'd heard multiple times. It's a little more than a year old. It's by Mercy Me and it's called Almost Home. Almost home. And it talks about how our home isn't ultimately here, that we're going to be with Jesus and we're almost there. Amen. 
We're almost home with Jesus, amen? amen? There you go. Some of you might be holding on to the world a little too much, right? Gotta let go. We're ultimately gonna be with Jesus. And so, but I listened to that song multiple times, but there was one line that really hit me, and it was this. So take joy in the journey. So take joy in the journey. And, and the Spirit of God just said, look, Aaron, look, this may be stressful. There's uncertain times, but you have to find a way to take joy even in the midst of this. In, this, in the midst of leading, right, you've got to find joy. In the midst of le- living, you have to find joy, right? Life is a journey. We're all heading somewhere. And our psalm this morning makes it abundantly clear that there are only two ways and there are two destinations. Psalm 1 is the prologue to the entire Psalter. The author presents two groups of persons or two ways. We see that clearly in verse 6 of Psalm 1. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. As you study the scriptures, you see this thread throughout scripture. There are two ways. You see people who are maybe opposed to God, right? You think of Pharaoh or Jezebel or Herod, those who are opposed to God. And then you see those who are with God. They're for God. They, they're walking with God, right? You think of the prophets, uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah, right? You think of Moses, Abraham. You think of Mary, right? The mother of Jesus. Those who are walking with God. There are only two ways. You think of Matthew chapter 7 as Jesus is wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus himself makes this abundantly clear. He contrasts the two ways. Right? He speaks of two gates that we may enter. Only two gates. There's not a third option. He speaks of two trees, a good tree and a bad tree that bears good fruit and bad fruit. There's not a third tree. He speaks of two men who are building houses. There's two houses. They each build upon a foundation. There's not a third foundation. There's only two foundations. The scripture is clear. There are only two ways. Tremper Longman III, who was an associate professor of Old Testament at Westminster Theological Seminary, that's a mouthful right there, writes on Psalm 1, and I love what he says. He says, Psalm 1 deliberately draws two portraits in our minds, the portrait of the wicked man and the portrait of the wise man. He then says, the question is then posed, which are we? Which are we? We. So notice, right, we have two ways. We have two ways. We have, first of all, the way of the wicked. Verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So you have the way of the wicked. Notice how he begins this. He starts with blessed is the man, and then he focuses what? On the wicked. He kind of pauses the the, the way of the righteous, and he says, The blessed is the man who does not do these things. And notice the big idea here. The wicked man is described in terms of his association. The wicked man is described in terms of his associations. Um, In terms of his association. So verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Some scholars here have seen right an increasing level of sinfulness in these terms. Hold on. I'm trying to... Are you guys controlling that back there? No? I, I'm, all right, he's going backwards. Hold on. I'll get, I'll get there. There we go. That'll work. We're trying, we're trying to figure this out today. Uh, very thankful for Philip and Jennifer back there. We're, we're running from one inside, one outside the booth. And, um, so the wicked man is described in terms of his associations. So some have noticed, right, this progression in, in what we see here. Um, sin grows. Notice what he says. You start by walking. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, right? You're still moving. You're moving in the wrong direction. You're surrounding yourself by listening to the advice of the wicked, But then he progresses a little bit, nor stands in the way of sinners, right? He goes from walking to standing, the idea of lingering in sin. You go from listening to now you've stopped and you're kind of engaging in this sin, right? You're you're beginning to stand in the way of sinners. You're following the way of sinners. And then he says, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You sit. You begin to make company with the wicked. But what does he say? You sit in the seat 
of scoffers. The scoffer is one who mocks God openly and rejects his word. So it's as if we go from this progression of we're walking past, maybe listening, to now we're sitting and we're engaging in scoffing against God. We've, we've come a long way here. One author writes, the progression goes like this. Thinking leads to behaving, which leads to belonging. We begin to belong with the wicked. The wicked man is described in terms of his associations, who he surrounds himself with. The wicked love to be around wicked people. So just as a point of application, I think it is very important for all of us to remember who we associate ourselves with matters. It matters who we spend time with. With It is absolutely vital that we surround ourselves with people who love Christ and who love his word. Um, that's why this, this is so important. It's why I'm so glad that we can come back and do this. There's something about seeing your face and just knowing, hey, you love Christ, you're walking with Christ, we're in this together. Right To see your smile and to know that, hey, even in the midst of the difficulties, we're still trusting in and walking with God. And then we come to verse 4, right? Verse 4 says, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. It's like chaff that the wind drives away, right? You think of chaff, right? There's that farmer. He's tossing that threshed wheat into the air. The wind drives away the chaff and the heavier grain falls back down. It's as if the psalmist is saying, look, those who reject God and walk in the way of wickedness are like chaff. Church, this is important for us to remember. And the psalmist deals with this. We look around the world, and what do you see? You see a lot of wicked, evil people. You see a lot of people doing a lot of godless things. And yet many of those wicked, godless people, they're prospering. They're powerful. they got a lot more power than you and I have. They're persuasive. People listen to them because maybe they've got money and power, but they're wicked. And we think, why? Why is God allowing that to happen? What does God have to say about that? Well, here's what the psalmist is saying. They may be powerful. They may be persuasive. They may have their moment, but a day's coming. A day of judgment in which they will get what's coming to them. They're like chaff. A moment is coming when all of their power and all of their persuasiveness is just going to be blown away. It's going to be gone. And they're going to stand before a holy God and they're going to have to give an account. So here's the question for us this morning. As we enter into the Psalms and we see Psalms of lament and Psalms of praise and we see wisdom Psalms, which is what Psalm 1 is, Psalms of thanksgiving, royal Psalms, messianic Psalms, of dealing with all sorts of topics and issues, the question for us is this, what are we going to build our life on? The wicked build their life on sin. The wicked are building their life upon the things of the world. And we are not to walk in the way of the wicked. Rather, we are to walk in the way of the righteous. The way of the righteous. Look what he says. Blessed is the man who walks not of the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but... And now he's going to describe, right, the way of the righteous. So we notice, first of all, that the way of the righteous, right, they are blessed. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. Blessed is the person. Blessed. Happy. The New Living Translation writes, Oh, the joys. I like that. Oh, the joys of the righteous man, of the one who walks in the way of righteousness. Church, it has always been God's desire that he would bless mankind. You go back to the beginning, we see God's blessing them ultimately with his presence. He didn't owe Adam and Eve anything. He didn't have to create them because he was lonely. He had this love with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and he wanted to share it with them. And so he creates them, right? And he blesses them. God, it's always been his desire to be blessed. The way of the righteous ultimately leads to blessing. It leads to blessing. We also notice this about the righteous. They delight in the law of the Lord. They delight in the law of the Lord. Now, now this is interesting to me. Going back to kind of this big idea, right? That the wicked man is described in terms of his associations. But that's not how he describes the righteous man. 
the righteous man is described in terms of his delight in God's word. After he describes the unrighteous, you think he would describe the righteous in the same way. But blessed is the man who hangs out with godly people, right? Who, who surrounds themselves with the right kind of people. But that's not what he says. He says, blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. To delight means to desire, to take pleasure in. The law of God could refer to one single law, could refer to the Mosaic law. It could refer to all of Scripture. The man who delights in the law of the Lord, the teaching, the instruction, the word of God. Hear me. The deepest mark of the happy person who is walking in the way of righteousness in Psalm 1 is the man or the woman who delights in the word of God. That is the deepest mark of that person. Think about what he is saying. The happy person loves God and His Word. It is not a burden. It is a pleasure. One of my greatest joys over the last 8 to 10 to 12 weeks is to hear some of you say, hey, I've spent more time in God's Word than ever. I was talking to one person, and they're like, yeah, man, I've been, I've been watching these Christian movies, and I've been reading through the Bible, and I just said, has it helped? She said, yes, it's helped. It makes a difference when we find ourselves in the Word of God. The way of the righteous person loves and delights in the Word of God. It is not a chore. It's not a responsibility. We delight in it. So hear me. If you don't delight in studying the Word of God, would you just this morning be honest with God and confess that to Him? It's not like you're hiding anything from Him. Just confess it. God, I'm struggling to delight in Your Word. I'm struggling to read. And then just pray, God, help me. Help me to read your word. If you watched the video from this past Wednesday night, I shared something from John Piper uh, that just has encouraged me for years. It's called Aptat. I'm not going to describe it this morning. Go back and watch Wednesday night's Bible study if you didn't already check that out. Right? Aptat. You can use that when it comes to reading the word of God. God, I admit I'm struggling, but I'm praying for help. Help me to read it. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to help you. But now hear me. you got to open the word of God. You can't say, okay, God, I'm struggling to read. Help me, and then throw it on the shelf and leave it there. That doesn't work. you got to open it. And I believe God will give us a desire for his word. He continues, not only do they delight in the law of the Lord, but third, they meditate on God's law. They meditate. And on his law, he meditates day and night. I love this word, meditate. It means to ponder, to give serious thought and consideration to. The word meditation in Hebrew means basically to speak or to mutter. Is there anybody in here, anybody watching from home, that you like to talk to yourself? Raise your hand, because I, I want to make sure I'm not alone. All right, good. I talk to myself. Um, this morning, on driving on, on the way to church, if you were to drive past me, I was talking out loud, going through my sermon. Nobody was in the car, nobody was listening. I could have done it in my head, but I just like to talk out loud. I talk to myself. It's one reason why I don't like to go run. Because if I'm listening to music, like I'm, I can't not sing, I can't not talk, and my neighbors will probably think this dude is crazy. Why did we let him in the neighborhood, right? Um, so I talk to myself all the time. That's what this word meditation means. It has the idea of day and night, you are speaking the word of God to yourself. You are meditating upon it. A godly person is influenced not by unrighteous people, but by his meditation on the Word of God. Not just reading it, but meditating, thinking through it, letting it speak and talk to you. We are to be influenced by the Word. But how can the Word of God influence us if we don't read it? Man, we got to read it. we got to get into it, take it little sections at a time, Chew on it, meditate on it, let it sit there, let it sink deep into our heart. So let's go back to that question. What are you going to build your life on? The righteous build it on God and His Word. They meditate on God's law. Fourth, they are fruitful. I like this. He says, He is like a tree. The blessed man is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. You know a tree by its fruit. What kind of tree is this? Well, it has apples. Well, it must be an apple tree, right? You know a tree by its fruit. 
So the picture here is the righteous man, right, is planted by the stream of water. It's giving us uh, nutrition. It's giving us the, the, the resources that we need. We're in the Word of God. We're studying the Word of God, right? And we're fruitful. If you delight in the Word of God and meditate on it day and night, you will yield your fruit in season. You will be a fruitful person. There is a verse of Scripture in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-8 through 8, that sometimes just terrifies me when I read it. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and 8, it says, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, and those qualities he lists in verses 5 through 7, right? You got virtue, knowledge, self-control, godliness, brotherly affection. He says, For if these things, these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful, and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What Peter is saying is, look, if we're not doing these things, then we become ineffective and unfruitful in the kingdom of God. I do not want it to be said of me that I become ineffective or unfruitful because I neglected the basic things of my faith, which is meditating and studying the Word of God. He says they are fruitful. He also says they are durable. He says, and its leaf does not wither. What happens, church, when the hot winds start blowing? What happens when the rain is not falling? Will the tree die? Will the leaf wither? The psalmist says no, because he's planted by streams of water. That the leaf does not wither, it does not die, even in the heat and the drought. It remains green because it is planted by a stream. The happiness, the joy of the righteous person, right there, it's durable, it lasts. It doesn't depend on circumstances. So let me just say this, and i got one more thing, and then we're going to kind of begin to, to wrap up. Sometimes, you and I don't know how grounded our faith really is. We don't know the strength of our roots because the roots grow underneath and we can't see them. We don't know the strength of our roots until the storms of life come blowing in. We don't really know how strong our faith is until we get the call from the doctor, it's cancer. Or until we get that that call we never wanted, that your son was in a horrible car accident. Right? Until we go through those, those valleys and those seasons of drought in our life, we don't know how strong our roots are until we face the storms of life. And the only way that we will remain steadfast in those seasons of our life is if in the other seasons of our life we have been planted by the streams of living water. That we have found ourselves grounded in the word of God. And lastly, he says they are prosperous. What does that mean? Does it mean that if you delight in the word of God and meditate on the word of God, that you're going to prosper financially? Or some of you are going to run home and start reading now, right? But I'm going to get a pay raise. I'm going to prosper. That's not what that means. Yes, God may, may prosper us through financial means and, and material blessings, right? But it doesn't mean that. It means that the most obedient men and women... God will prosper with spiritual blessings even in the midst of suffering. That even in the midst of difficult seasons, we can still prosper because we're walking in the way of righteousness. Look, the righteous person of Psalm 1 is not perfect, but he or she is growing. They're walking with God. They're enjoying their blessings. And then that leads us to the last point, and that is simply this. There are two destinations. There are two destinations Verses 5 through 6 lead readers to reflect on where these two kinds of life are headed. We are all headed somewhere. Where are we headed? Well, it depends upon the path that you are walking. What does he say? Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Does that mean that they won't be there? They'll be absent? No, it means they will not be able to stand under the wrath of God. They will not be able to endure it. It doesn't mean annihilation. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means eternal damnation in hell he goes on to say for the lord knows the way of the righteous watch this but the way of the wicked will perish there are two paths there are two ways and those ways are separated but a day is coming in which those two ways will forever part they will forever part and he says the way of the wicked will what perish 
They will perish. Those who choose to reject God, to spurn his word, to turn away from his love and grace in Jesus Christ, we know from Jesus himself, will spend all eternity in hell separated from God the Father. The way of the wicked leads to hell. No one should want to be on that path. You should not want to be on a road that you know is headed for destruction and hell. But then there's the way of the righteous. What he says in verse 6 For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Derek Kidner, in his book on the Psalms, says that word know is more than to be informed, it includes to care about and to own or identify oneself with. God knows the way of the righteous, God knows the righteous person. The psalmist tells us the righteous person is blessed and is known by God. Church, this is wonderful news. There is a way that leads to blessing, that leads to life. But. But. And I can only speak for myself here as I read through Psalm 1, as I read about the description of the blessed man. And that is this. I don't always choose the way of righteousness. In fact, I often choose the way of selfishness. Sometimes I look more like the world. Sometimes I look more like the wicked than I do God, than I do the righteous. And so when I look through Psalm 1, I think, man, look at this blessed person. But I don't measure up to that. I often fall short of that. So where is the hope of Psalm chapter 1? That God knows the way of the righteous. Where is the hope? The hope is found in Jesus Christ. Because what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the what? Way. Jesus said, I'm the way. And so when I read through Psalm chapter 1 and I see, look, I can't measure up. I then look to Jesus Christ who said, listen, you want to know the way? I'm the way. Follow me. And I looked to Jesus Christ, and Jesus measured up. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. I'm guilty of that. Jesus was not. Blessed is the one who stands in the way of sinners. I'm guilty of that. Jesus was not. Nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Jesus is not guilty of that. Jesus Christ is the hope. He is the answer. I read this week about a man named Joseph. Joseph Flax. He visited Palestine years ago. And while there, he had an opportunity to address a gathering of Jews and Arabs. And he took for his subject, uh, as address, the subject of Psalm chapter 1. And so he read through it. And then he asked this question. Who is this blessed man of whom the psalmist speaks? This man who never walked in the counsel of the wicked, never stood in the way of sinners, never sat in the seat of mockers. Right? He was an absolutely sinless man. Who is this man? Nobody spoke. So Flax said, was he our great father Abraham? One man spoke up, no, it can't be Abraham, right? He denied his wife. He told a lie about her. It can't be Abraham. So Joseph said, well, what about the lawgiver Moses? Somebody said, no, it cannot be Moses. He killed a man. He lost his temper there by the waters. It can't be Moses. Joseph said, what about David? And he knew the answer was no there because David has adultery and murder in his record. So he's certainly not the man of Psalm chapter 1. And then there was silence for a long while. And then an elderly Jew, mind you, he was a Jew, arose and said, My brothers, I have a little book here. And it's called the New Testament. He said, I've been reading it. And if, he said, if I could believe this book, And if I could be sure that it is true, I would say that the man of Psalm chapter 1 is Jesus Christ, or Jesus of Nazareth. He wouldn't have said Christ because he was a Jew. Jesus of Nazareth. Old church, listen. I too have the New Testament. And I too have read the New Testament. And unlike that Jewish man, I do believe the New Testament. And I believe that the only hope for you and I is Jesus Christ. Amen? That if we take hold of him, confessing him to be Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, right, that he is Savior and Lord of our life, then Jesus Christ becomes our righteousness. We live and walk in him. So you and I can live out Psalm chapter 1 because Christ already did. 
And he is our righteousness. He is our hope. He is the very reason that we live and move and sing and do anything that we do is because of Jesus. So let me close by going back to Tremper Longman III. He said, the question then is posed, which are we? And then he said these words. As we enter the sanctuary of the Psalms to worship and petition the Lord, whose side are we on? And that's the question I pose to you this morning. Whose side are you on? There's only two sides. You are either with God and for God and walking in righteousness through Jesus Christ, or you are opposed to God, you stand against Him, and you are living in wickedness. And those two ways lead to two destinations. I know where I'm going. By the grace of God, I'm almost home. And my prayer is that you're walking in that same path and that you know that your life will end with seeing the Father because you were in the Son, Jesus Christ. Whether you're in this room or you're watching online, if you are not walking with Christ, I'm just going to give us just a moment, just of silence, just to reflect and to think through the message, and just to ask ourselves, whose side are we on? Which way are we walking? And even if we're walking in the way of righteousness, are we meditating upon the Word of God? Are we reading it day and night? So will you take just a moment where you are, and just to reflect upon that, Look, if you're on the way of unrighteousness, there is a way to get off that way and get on the way of righteousness, and that is through confession of sin and taking hold of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You know, we're all going through the same stuff right now. We're all walking through the same sorts of things. But one group of people have hope in Jesus, and the other group don't. For one of us, it will lead to eternity with Jesus, and so therefore we can take everything in stride and we can trust and believe because we know this isn't ultimately our home. But for others, this is all they have. And so where are you? Whose side are you on? Lord, we pray by your grace that we're on your side. Lord, as we enter into the Psalms, Lord, as we as we will deal with some heavy issues, heavy topics going forward. Lord, as we will see even King David grieving and mourning and wrestling, Lord, ultimately for him, there was still hope. And so, Lord, whatever we're going through, wherever we are, whatever our struggles, Lord, we can continue to walk in the way of righteousness because of Jesus Christ, who is our hope. And so, Lord, we just pray that you will move and speak in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me go over some announcements before, uh, before we are dismissed, before we cut the live feed. Um, just a couple of announcements. One, next Sunday, uh, we're going to have a church conference right after our morning worship service. Uh, look, we understand not everybody can be here. Uh, we understand, look, this isn't ideal, but we need to have one. And so what we have done is on Realm, and hopefully if you're on Realm, you got an email uh, you already have access to the minutes and the financial report. Go ahead and look those over so we can walk through those really quickly. Uh, if you have any questions, you can, uh, you can email me um, if, you, if you want some answers before we meet. Uh, if you have not seen the minutes or the financial report and you didn't get it, just email the office. We can make sure we get that to you, but that will be next Sunday after the service. Uh, next Sunday night, we're going to have our Awana Awards. Uh, we'll give you details this week as to what that will look like. We'll announce those details next Sunday morning. That's going to be at 525. Uh, we're praying for great weather, and we'll do that outside. But we, we want to acknowledge our kids uh, who have done Awana. You can hopefully, we'll be able to do it where you can stay in your car, or if we go in the field, you'll be able to social distance. It'll be outside. Um, you can get your awards, and we can acknowledge that and recognize that. One other announcement, uh, Sunday school material. Uh, is here, and it is available to you even though we haven't been meeting in person. So that Sunday school material is in the fellowship hall. You can go in there. Uh, Pastor BJ will be over there, and you can pick that up. Uh, our two uh, senior women's classes 
Um, I had the opportunity this past week to drop off half of those. I've been going to people's homes, and it has been great to be able to see them face-to-face. And so I've got the other half uh, I'm going to drop off this week as we're trying to disperse that. So um, if you will pick that up. So I'm going to close our time with a word of prayer, and then I will dismiss you as we did uh, last week. So let's, let's pray. Father, it has been good to be in the house of the Lord. Look, I know, God, it is, it's still different. Uh, we know that we have half of our church, uh, at least half, God, that is not here worshiping with us. Some of them may be uh, traveling or, or other things, and also some, God, who are still just staying home and sheltering in place. Uh, Lord, we just want them to know we miss them, we love them, we just want to encourage them any way that we can. Lord, I know that for most of us, we've probably had some more time on our hands over these last several weeks or last couple months. God, I pray it has been fruitful and beneficial and helpful. And even in the midst of these circumstances, God, that we have seen your goodness, we have seen your grace as we have drawn closer to you through your word. Lord, as we read your word, as we study it, we see, God, who you are. So, Lord, may we just press in a little bit closer this week. May we remove all distractions. May we just hear you, Lord, as we continue to walk this path of righteousness. Lord, continue just to bless, Lord, our church family with every spiritual blessing. Lord, take care of them. Provide for them. Lord, continue to protect us and keep us safe. Lord, for your glory and for your name's sake, we ask all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.